It's 2018 and everyone gets a podcast. Mine is the Hardy Boys Drink Book. Each week, I sit down with hilarious and creative people to talk about a book in the Hardy Boys Mystery Series. Thanks for tuning in, detectives. Now let's get back to part two of the Hardy Boys Drink Book number 12, Footprints Under the Window, featuring Jack Wefso. After they get the run of the place and this guy gets arrested and he says, oh, I've been framed for having this little micro camera, then they just do a recap chapter. Right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. They just sort of stand around and talk about all the plots. Which I was good because I needed it. Yeah, I had taken some breaks yeah. reading mm-hmm. it Yeah. and sort of tied together all of the different, the missing people, the strange Huelan immigrants who yeah. are looking around town and all these different groups of people and... Mr. Mm-hmm. North and all stuff. They notice uh, the laundry truck like many times yes. at Micro Eye coming and going yes, and being stopped and inspected. They really like that laundry truck. Yes, they talk a lot about it. Yeah. Gertie becomes certain that she saw Mr. Ricardo in town. Like who was Ricky Ricardo? The guy from the trip that she met oh, who right. made such an impression on her, Ricky Ricardo. Yeah. And then the boys look down on the beach they're like let's try to find another shell that's clearly got a secret message in it like that last shell that that guy freaked out about which is another one of those moments where like they're sitting there being like oh, so what next what next and joe's like what do you think would happen if we went down to that seashell beach again and like tried like, looked to around looked around well we'd probably find another note let's go there <laughs> and so they go there and do that yeah <laughs> and they find a note and then sandy shows up and freaks out because yeah. the shell he told them not to do this and the shell has no note in it so he immediately <sighs> Does the dumbest thing ever That's because right. it's supposed to be where he gets the secret notes to to yeah. from Mister North, right, or to deliver to Mister North? Yeah, it's got they these seashells have folded up piece of paper in them that are going to be delivered. They're messages that are delivered to Mister North from somebody. It's a message. Joe cried as Frank held up the paper from the seashell. Well, what does it say? Chet asked eagerly. Frank read the handwritten message aloud. To Huelas, finally got something. Santilla Colombo. Joe jumped at the first words. The Huella Islands! But what could Santilla and Colombo mean? Frank murmured. They're not the names Gomez inquired about at the immigration office. Wait, like Gomez Adams? (laughs) No. Oh, down! Get down! And then, yeah, and then Sandy comes. And Sandy... that's right, yeah, yeah. So he freaks out, and then when he doesn't find it, he immediately, like, goes and gets in a car. Yeah. And drives away. And they're like, wait a second, this guy doesn't live on that beach. There he goes, Joe cried out. (laughs) That's a jazzy wagon for a beachcomber to own. He must get good money for seashell pickups. That's right, that's right. And then doesn't he go... Straight... To Orin North's house. Directly to Orin North's house. (laughs) His mansion. Yeah. And Orin North yells, you fool, I told you never to come here. (laughs) That was like day one stuff. Well, what happens, what do you think happens, Orin North, when you hire a crazy guy who lives on a sandy beach and calls himself Sandy? (laughs) Well, just bring me the notes. What if the notes don't show up? They will. Just sprint directly to my mansion. (laughs) Make Uh, sure someone follows you. So then... Uh, they want to find out now who Santia and Colombo are. Yeah, exactly. That's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. But now they're finally going to South America, right? It's like they're almost yeah, there. I think so. Uh, let's see. They have the note analyzed. They report back to Mr. Dykeman and tell them what they saw about and Orin North wrote, and Sandy. Will they ever fucking leave? <laughs> Go! Go! I know we are, we are running out of pages here. Yeah. We're 108 pages into the book. They haven't gone to South America yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. Frustrated. It's so frustrating. But. They get to the airport, they get on a plane, they fly to South America, and the plane is fine. 
And when make they it fall, the whole way there. Yeah, they fall asleep and they wake up and they see jungles. Wow, Chet, I, Chet's eyes flew open. Jungles! And I wrote, cool! And they're in the Huelas and they can recognize the footprint islands yeah. from the plane. That big one must be Barredo. Barredo. But this is cool. I'm now, I'm suddenly excited. Mm-hmm. We're in a new environment. The Hardy yep. Boys are in the jungle. Yep. And it's jungle, jungle. It gets cool. Jack banked inland over dense jungle broken only by twisting brown rivers. There seemed to be no sign of life. When the Cayenne airfield came into view, the Bay Porters fastened their seatbelts. There was a wait while a jet from the United States landed, and then Jack touched down and brought his craft to a smooth stop. Joe pushed open the cabin door and caught his breath. It was like stepping into an oven. Chet grimaced. I feel like a broiled hamburger already. (laughs) <laughs> Which is great because uh, right before they left, their last meal before they left, Aunt Gertrude cooked them sizzling hamburgers. And french fries and everything. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. That was nice of her. And then they were like... As soon as they get out of the plane, though, a woman's shrill cry startled the boys. Oh, that's right. Frank wheeled around to see two ill-dressed, swarthy men break out of the crowd, each carrying a blue suitcase. Help! Help! Thief! Joe, they've stolen that woman's luggage! Like lightning, the Hardys tore after the thieves. And, uh, they, yeah, and they then an officer chase. fires warning shots at them. Yeah, because... Because they, they're in a communist country now. Right, and they're just like white people who got off a plane and then sprinted at some people. Yeah, yeah. Like, whoa! whoa. It's, it's like getting off the Air Korea flight in Pyongyang and just, and just, just sprinting across, across the tarmac. The... <laughs> Which you think their first reaction would be like, wait... What, what is, is he, he doing? doing? Well, but better shoot him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll find out later. Yeah, exactly. Weird. The police judged them to be natives. The men who stole the... That's right. That's right. They decide they were natives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because these guys just basically, again, with the luggage, they sprint into the jungle. Bad yeah. guys just keep sprinting into the forest. Into the forest. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. They have nice fruity drinks. Mm. Joe gets hit on the head. Oh, with what? During the pursuit. The thieves skirted around the control tower and ran across the airfield. Frank and Joe soon outdistanced the pursuing policemen. But the thieves reached the end of the runway and in a moment disappeared into the jungle. Come on! Joe plunged into the thick growth. The next instant, he felt a crashing (laughs) blow on his head, toppled over, and lay half-stunned. Okay, monsieur? Joe, are you all right? The policemen and Frank's voices pierced a ringing blackness. Groggy, Joe was helped to his feet. Yeah, so he gets busted over the head, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that's two hardy boys with head injuries now. Something that, uh, a trick that the Hardy Boys haven't quite figured out yet. The crooks run into the woods. Then they stop and crouch. The Hardy Boys run into the woods and run past the crooks. Then the crooks stand up and whack the Hardy Boys on the Yeah, head. exactly. Happens a lot. Mm-hmm. They have, Hardy Boys don't learn their lesson. Yeah, that's true. That happens too often. Not but just in this book. The amount of times I'm like, guys, just don't chase them. Yeah. Like, play Go, go cool. to the victim. Go to the victim and be like, what can you tell me? Right. You know, which is what they do next. Yes. Later, the boys and police officers spoke with the victims of the robbery, a middle-aged American couple named Griffin. Mr. Griffin could not add much to the thieves' description, except that he judged them to be natives. All they, right, Griffin. Uh, you they mean they're dark, darker skin than you? Yes, natives. Yeah. They find out that um, Mr. Martin, the guy whose coat got ripped, who had the celluloid, has been missing. And then nobody oh, knows where he yeah, is. yeah, that's right. I forgot. And he was taken into the jungle, but nobody knows, like, where he could be. Oh, and now, and now they're trying to find Mr. Martin. That's their whole thing now. Right, right, right. Is they're like, well, we were going to try to find that guy and find out if he was the spy. And figure out what what he knows and then kind of chase that lead. But now that he's missing, our whole thing is we have to find we have to find Mr. Martin. I like this. They said, I already tell everybody. He just disappeared. Poof. And not pay his bill either. Oh. Uh. 
but then yeah, they look around this this. Uh, they see an interesting animal. Yeah, a uh, a water buffalo. Yeah, apparently is hauling things around, and then they're like, and then Chet says, if he takes to land, I'll take to water, <laughs> and then they're like, haha, there are piranhas in the water. Flesh devouring. Chet's eyes bulged. Yeah, not to not mention centipedes, yeah. poisonous snakes, scorpions, and crocodiles in the jungle. Frank added somberly. Doesn't oh. sound like that was very somber. No, you're right. Not to mention centipedes, poisonous snakes, scorpions, and crocodiles in the jungle. Wow. Anyway, welcome to South America. Yeah. So, night, Chet. Hope you have fun. <laughs> they find so they, they just... find a chunk of Mr. Raymond's raincoat when mm-hmm. they're in the jungle. Yeah. Well, they find his they find his raincoat at one of the stalls. That's right, La Fleur. But it's been but it's missing that little piece that was torn off that they found the microphone in. So they know that Raymond Martin made it. To, to South Cayenne. America. Right. Yeah. And then a guy offers to take them down the river to where they think that Mr. Uh, to Coatman. To Coatman. That's what he calls him. Coatman. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that one's pretty cool. They get in this like little tiny dugout boat and they go down the Amazon River. Or I guess maybe yeah. not the Amazon, but they go down a river into the Cayenne River. Yeah. Um, deep into the jungle. Yeah. And, and this is like, again, like finally we're here. Like this was some really cool stuff. Yeah, I they pa- presently they passed a clearing of thatch-roofed Indian huts. Further along, several native women were beating laundry with flat sticks at the waterside. After a while, the only sound was the chatter of birds from the depth of the jungle. Something in the primeval stillness prompted the boys to speak in whispers. It's like another world. Joe said in awe. Yeah, flamingos, crocodiles. Yeah, they paint. They start painting these really beautiful, like pictures. Enormous of the mangrove trees arched overhead, blocking out the sun. Gnarled vines hung in tangling loops. The travelers ducked low as low-hanging branches tore at their shirts and faces. Yeah, and exactly. then they come around a corner and they found a. They find a. The long... guide's like, "We're here. We're fo- we found it. We right. are here." And they find a fucking skeleton. A skeleton. That's just like hanging from a tree. It's clearly yeah. been like pinned up. Yeah, exactly. Um, as they reach forward, like they're going to check it and see. Oh, I loved this. It's so classic oh, '80s movie scary. It's so great. Right as they go to touch the skeleton, a skeleton, a giant centipede slithers out of the eye socket. Yeah, and they just go Bleh, and oh Chet yells, la, 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 "Let's get out of here! La, la, let's get out of here!" Oh my god! And then Frank is like, "This can't be Raymond Martin." These are old. This is like a year-old skeleton. Look how the grass has grown around it, and nobody's... Yeah. And then they're like, this isn't Coatman to right. the to the guide. And the guide's like, I don't... He's like, I don't know. If, what, that's... What do you want? We call, the, they call him Coatman. That's where want? the coat came from. Um, Like, yeah, the crazy thing about that is I didn't buy it from Frank, first of all, that he immediately knows how long this body has been decomposing. Because, like... But then I do buy it when it's not about the bones. He's like the grass has grown up in between like the rib cage and stuff like that. That's what tells me, you know, it's old. Because before that, I'm like, oh, come on, Frank. Frank, It's like the equator. Yeah, exactly. Like you have no idea what these flesh-devouring insects in are are and stuff like that. It's like the opposite of – and this is a bit of a tangent. But it's like the opposite of like – I remember seeing this documentary on uh, probably Discovery or something like that. And it was about Antarctica. And it was about like creatures – uh, in like at the South Pole in those temperature extremes that die in like decomposition, right? Yeah. And so they find at one point they're walking along and they find a dead like rotting penguin. Yeah. Right. And uh, the the scientist says to the host like, okay, so here's a dead penguin. You can see like it's got some little bit of feathers and flesh still and some bones there. And the person is like, so how long do you think this penguin has been here? And uh, the guy looks at it and he's like, well, it's like half decomposed and everything like that. So. I don't know. I'm going to guess like 
maybe like six months or like a year. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, no, 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 it's way, way, way too cold for bacteria and any of that stuff. So, like, all the rotting that you're seeing is, like, straight decomposition. It's from the inside out. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, okay, so how old is this dead penguin? And she's like, I would estimate, like, 40,000 years. And you're like, oh, it's mummified. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Yeah. And I feel like this this, this is kind of the the same direction of that. Yeah, exactly. Opposite of that. Yeah. So then they decide that Mr. Martin's probably still alive. Yeah. Being, well, he ain't this skeleton, so... Yeah, but, like, he's still probably dead. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I assumed yeah. he was dead. Oh, then they go home to go to sleep after this whole thing. And this is awful. This is what happens. In the middle of the night, Chet wakes up because there's something furry on his foot. Oh, that's right. And they throw on the light, and there's a vampire bat that's trying to drink... That's bl- drinking his blood. Yeah. Uh, they don't think it broke the skin. They said there's no blood, so he's fine. Oh, yeah. But they wrote, also give him some crap about not predicting a storm. But I wrote, like, holy fuck, scary. Yeah, yeah. Of a, 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 a vampire, of a, a, a bat. Of a, a, a bat. And I can't believe that he Oh, is... man, that's all I need. He got into bed and wrapped himself tightly in the sheets. Yeah, well, maybe never check gonna, to see never if there's aren't any sleep. other vampire bats in those sheets before he's you wrap He's never going to sleep again. No, no. He just wanted to go on a trip. Yeah, exactly. He's covered in mosquito bites. He saw a on skeleton. his face. They specify he's covered in mosquito bites on his face. On his face. face. He's now, broiling I... like a hamburger. He saw a skeleton with a giant centipede in it. And it's like I've always thought that like there was something about human faces that mosquitoes avoid because like I've gone into incredibly. Oh, they're the worst. If you've ever gotten one. I guess that's true, but I I just never have. And I've been covered in mosquito bites before, but not my face. Yeah, well, it sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds awful. Um, they. Decide they're going to go out to Barredo, but yeah. but um, it's a it's a true dictatorship. Yeah, exactly. Barredo is a totally different country than French Guiana. Yeah, with an um, island dictator, and they're only allowed there for twenty four hours, mm-hmm. and then they have to leave before sundown. Yeah, exactly. You have to sign in, probably because there's no electricity on the. Yeah, island. and they don't yeah. want people to know that. Yeah, um, exactly. Impressive public buildings fronted the harbor, but in town, boys saw rows of tottering, unpainted shacks along unpaved roads. Shabbily dressed people wearing. Uh, walking past dingy stores, many of which appeared to be closed. The yeah. atmosphere was both tense and depressing. Boy, this place gives me the willies, Chet murmured as he noticed a gray uniformed man watching them from one of the few cars. Yeah, like, this is like, I mean, so do you think we might be in 1950s Cuba? Yeah, I think maybe. Um, or any <laughs> number of South public, or Central American communist countries. Communist Impressive public buildings. People living in shacks. Like, yeah, all of this. It's one of those things where, like, uh, there's – yeah, there's I, a, a moment coming up later where people start talking about how, like, well, they, it might not just be Barreto. It might be – I, All of these islands – all the Huela Islands. Or maybe they're working with a – yeah, where they, yeah, I don't know. It's like – it's a communist island nation like Cuba. Well, they might be working for a large country that has opposition to the United States. You mean like Russia? Well, well a, like a big country. Like a big foreign antagonistic country. Uh, and then they do the worst spy work ever. Oh. They literally walk around the main plaza being like, Colombo! <laughs> Santilla! Just the two whitest New Yorkers you have ever met in your life. Gomez! Just like wandering around. Colombo, Santilla, Gomez? Yeah. Colombo, Santilla, Gomez? Yeah, again, that would be like me like walking around Pyongyang being like, Kim Jong-un! <laughs> Kim- or Huang Chosan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is he saying the name of the foreign minister over and over again? He's shouting it. Yeah, exactly. Let's arrest them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, they're just... 
Chet whistled shakily as they nonchalantly left the marketplace. They, I love this. The boys noticed another man in a gray uniform uh, striding past. He eyed the boys suspiciously. They immediately pretended to be sightseeing. Just taking some photographs Columbo. of these. Not, not taking photographs, just looking at these expensive public buildings. Officer, Colombo, Santia, Gomez... Do you know these men? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they're the worst. Um, yeah. That would... Oh, I could just keep... And I then just keep they see... They follow some guys. Oh, they see the thieves that stole the bags. They f- see the thieves that stole the bags of the lady. Because the thieves that stole the bags of the lady are following them around. Oh, that's right. And then they notice they're being followed and basically the reverse follow, I think. Okay, anyway, they basically follow them around. They ask some people about it. But do they get kidnapped out to the... Out to the, like, secret rebel base, because it's super cool. Oh, yeah, that's when right. When they finally go out there. Oh, yeah, they go to the Gate of Doom. That's what it is. When they follow these things. Oh, yeah, because we're starting to get into, like, the most basic Spanish you are ever going to get. Where, first la of all... La Puerta de la Muerte. Yeah. Edificio Administración de las Juelas. Juelas government building? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. learning Spanish. Yep. The boys are actually pretty respectful of the Spanish language. Yeah, they, they really are. They speak some Spanish. Mm-hmm. They seem to not look down on people who speak right exactly they don't like refer to it as like mumbo jumbo or something like voodoo music yeah (laughs) um but they go they follow them out to this uh it's an abandoned uh jungle prison colony that as a concession to the people the communist dictator shut down this gut this jungle prison colony but it was it was a mine right it was a it was a it prison was a mine prison mine that's Be- right in the middle of the jungle because i remember as they walk up i have it highlighted here oh it's, it's bauxite oh yeah yeah that's what i was yeah where he's like it looks like an old bauxite deposit frank whispered and i was like really frank like specifically bauxite how can you tell Good eye. Yeah, Frank's got an eye for the, them minerals. Wonder you what happened that, to the workers. You think that'd be Chet's like uh, have, area yeah, of expertise? He'd be on a, like a geology kick. Book eight. He would yeah, have been and he'd a... be like, "Oh, that's bauxite. You can tell because it's box-like." But just like an abandoned prison mine colony. That's so cool. In the middle of the jungle. Of the jungle. And it's all of these identical like stone homes that are facing a center plaza with a guillotine in it. Oh, that's right. That's like some straight up Congo shit. Man. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. And then they're uh, they get support. They get surrounded by all these revolutionaries with ammo belts, right. and guns. And then they think they're being walked to the. Oh, and then this is another. They one They think where... that they're soldiers of dictator Posada, right? But they're uh... well. And I also wrote here. So this is another video game moment. They advanced cautiously, catching occasional glimpses through the foliage of the encircling wall. Lonely bird calls echoed around the deserted compound. The air hung hot and still. Pickaxes and broken machetes littered the ground. Looking up, the boys saw several ugly vultures hunched in the trees. Now, I have played enough Uncharted. Oh, yeah, to know To know that, that like, I'm coming into, like, this empty, abandoned... Jungle. I'm about there to this, like fired at. Yeah, exactly. There's these convenient half walls everywhere for me to hide behind. Right. And, like, lots of, like... Like, just random ammo drops kind of scattered there's around like, the town there's square. There's a large stone wall that encircles the area that yeah, exactly. you know you're not going to be able to get outside of. Right, exactly, exactly. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, any second, I'm going to get two grenades, and then I'm going <laughs> to just have to open fire. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not quite that bad. They get surrounded no. by these revolutionaries, and they think that they're being walked up to the guillotine, but then they get walked past Right past the, it. In one of those, like, oh, fuck you. Come like, on. <laughs> you could have at least put them up there. Yeah. But, 
But they get surrounded by these. That would have been awesome, actually, if the commander had put them on, like put them the in the guillotine yeah. or like in the stockade. Or I guess I was to imagining a gallows. Them? I don't know why, but like, yeah, put them on the gallows, put the nooses around their necks, and then interrogate them. Oh, that's scary. Oh, yeah, and that would have been awesome. High stakes, but no, that not quite. No. That didn't quite happen. Basically, they get tied up and then asked, like, why are you asking about Colombo, Cynthia, and Gomez? Yeah, what are you, what are you town? idiots doing? <laughs> and they find out that those guys are there, Carlos, Cynthia, and Miguel yeah. Colombo. They're like, actually, that's us. And they ask if they're under orders from Dictator Posada, and they're like, "No, that guy's a traitor and a monster. We're we're the revolutionaries. We're the good guys, the yeah. tyrant robber of our people. Yeah. We of the underground will unseat him one day." The men roared approval. Frank shot a look of relief at Joe and Chet. An underground movement. They were among friends. Columbo and Santia then shook the boys' hands cordially. I am sorry for your unpleasant reception, said Columbo. But we have always to be careful. Then you thought we might be working for Posada? Frank asked. Santia nodded. One is always afraid these days in the Huelas. That is why the lips are closed in this town. If Posada knew we meet here, he would send his army to crush us. Okay, well, the Hardys just led his army directly, directly to you. Directly they wandered here. around town shouting, shouting your names. the names of the revolutionaries who were trying to bring down the government. Then they went into the they jungle. They just kind of wandered into the woods. <laughs> and found the place. <laughs> like, you need a better lair. Yeah. <laughs> it was walking distance from town. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm sure that, like, like telling all of your people, like, no, 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 not only do we have this underground movement, we're going to take them down, but we meet in the abandoned prison mine. People were like, oh, oh right. that's cool. But like, like, right outside of town? Yeah, but like it's an abandoned mine. No, cool, but that's great because I can drop my kid off at soccer and then I can get like. Well, right maybe there. don't like don't go right there because people might follow you from soccer. But it's it is we're looking at a different place. <laughs> I'm just saying it sounds cool. Maybe maybe <laughs> maybe we'll keep it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's true. It's not the best hiding. It's a cool hiding place. It's not the best hiding place. No. Um, yeah, I called it the kick-ass abandoned jungle prison mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a video game set. It's, it's a great set Super piece. cool. Yeah. And then uh, they find out that Mr. North, the guy that they think is the bad guy, has been working with the revolutionaries, helping them. Oh, uh, that's right. Helping them get their – he's been, like, allowing them to use his ship to get illegal immigrants into the country. Right. To escape this government. And you're like, oh. And I actually thought for just a half second, I was like, oh, my God. Red herring? Was Mr. North this jerk the whole time? Was he actually going to turn out to be like... Like the hero? No, like, the reason why he's been such a jerk is because his butt is on the line and right. he's got all these people's lives at stake. Yeah, he's Oscar Schindler. Like, Yeah, he's trying yeah. to get them out. But then one page later, Frank is... <laughs> <laughs> one page. It lasts one page. Frank says, have you heard from any of the refugees since they escaped? Frank asked. No. For a while we thought it was because Posada's male censorship, but now... Columbo added gloomily, I am not so sure. The Hardys and Chet exchanged looks. Their suspicions of Orin North were confirmed. North is double-crossing you, Joe burst out. I wrote in my margin, no shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> because for a second though, I was like, oh, that's an interesting, but I like that they're like, no, no, he acted like a jerk. He is a bad guy. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I know. I didn't buy it for a second, Charles. I'm surprised that I was not duped and you were duped. Because I, I, I immediately I'm was so like, no, 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 no. Desperate. I'm You're so just, desperate. You're just desperate for any sort of variety. Anything. Any type of change. Uh, and the fact that they wouldn't have allowed it, because it doesn't even seem like a real big surprise to be like, oh, the shipping yeah. magnet was working for the government. Yeah, and exactly. Like, and a, like, yeah, no wonder he's a jerk. He's got to keep it all secret and everything. Yeah. No wonder he wanted them to report directly to him and not go to the police. Like, 
Well, they but the no. the revolutionaries let them leave, and they say like we're gonna go back. Uh, well, they eat a, a dinner of rations of bread right. and dried beef for yeah. supper. Once they find out that they have, as I wrote in my margins, they have now entered into the realm of human trafficking. Right. Big league. Big league human They're trafficking. They're in the big league stuff now. Good good for them. Yeah. They're really moving on up. Yeah, absolutely. And then they First decide, time. then they're like, let's go home. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. So Posada may be behind these suitcase thefts and maybe the, selling the smuggled information to a major power hostile to the United States. You, you mean like Russia? Like Russia. Now they're going back to Bayport. 30 pages. They were in yeah. this awesome new environment doing crazy cool new That's stuff. on the cover. That's on the, the environment that's on the cover. Out of, of 180 pages, 30. 30 pages on the 30 end. pages. It's the 30 best pages of the book. I yeah. I mean, you can give it that. But like, wait a minute. Have we have they explained to us the the crazy luggage scam yet? Okay, so the luggage scam is this. Spies. But have we have they have they explained yeah, that to us? It, it gets explained. I don't remember the whole details. It's it's in several different sections. So I'm just going to simplify it. Okay. There is this company. Is is this what we've already known about the laundries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. no, that gets revealed, and that's in that because it it gets monologued at the end. Basically, the point is the crooks so. The stolen information into the clothes and luggage of people, of people who, who are, are traveling, traveling to Cayenne. To Cayenne. When those people arrive in Cayenne, they are immediately robbed of their luggage right. or of their clothing. Right. So that the data that was hidden inside of it can be stolen. Right. Yeah. So this... I think that's sort of clever. That's like a TV show clever thing, okay. that like NCIS episode. And it's it's They're NCIS so clever, it's which like is monk, not clever. monks like Oh, he was sewn in under their coat. That's why his coat was stolen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, except that it's not like they have contacts that no. are specifically transporting this stuff, which is why they had to break into the travel agent's office. And if they're so they able get to get the itineraries. But also, if they're able to send the information of which people to rob, why can't they just send the spy information? Yeah, exactly. Also, like, this just seems like a extremely unreliable way. To move goods oh, yeah. and information, like they're like, okay, so this is how sewing it into. So here's how it's going to work. We're going to take. I'm going to take some pictures. Like here's one way. And you what do if it. I'm like, like messing around what with is my this? And, and like, like, there's something in the lining of my, and I like yeah. scratch, 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 and I pull it out. Pull it and out. I'm like, like, that's weird. There's a micro film fi- canister. In oh my here. god. Oh my god. It's from Micro like, Eye. Yeah, I got to take I'm this right go to the police. police. Yeah, exa- it's just such a flawed plan. Whereas, like, okay, here's one plan. Where it, right, where it's like, well, I'm going to sneak a camera into micro eye and I'm going to snap these pictures. And then I'm going to have a secret dark room in my own freaking basement that mm-hmm. nobody knows about where I'm going to develop these pictures. Then I'm going to, um, like, maybe I'm, I'm literally making this up on the spot, Charles. Then I'm going to buy Bayport newspapers. And in between the pages of the newspapers, I'm going to file in the developed 8x10 photographs. Then I'm going to use those newspapers to pack in um, – Yeah, to like pack like a like – Key a, sets. Yeah, and then key I'm gonna, or a lamp I'm gonna, or something I'm like that. Them. And yeah, I'm going to ship them and I'm going to ship them to uh, Huella Silence, right? It's not inside the lamp. It's, it's inside the It's inside newspaper. the newspaper that's like bundled around the thing, right? Exactly. Better. They go, they go right there. Now, there's the one plan. Now, here's another plan. I'm going to take some pictures. And then I'm going to take the roll of film and I am going to identify strangers Mm -hmm. who are traveling to a place that is kind of near where I would like these pictures to end up. Yeah. Then I'm going to surreptitiously slip this roll of film into that person's luggage. Then I'm going to hope that they don't cancel their trip, (laughs) choose different luggage, stop at a different place. 
not Danny, bring that particular clothes. The air, the airlines or the transportation company isn't going to lose or misplace the luggage. All have to go perfectly. Perfectly according. To, then I'm going to assume that the people at the other at the other end who are just and again, I don't think that they are getting like specific clues of what like, luggage. This is like a J Rock from Trailer Park Boys plan like where they just walk in and they just pull things off the uh, yeah. the baggage carousel and they walk out like it belongs to them right so like then you have to guess that like not only am i going to do these things but i'm going to hope that the thieves are there at the time that this plane lands that they catch this particular piece of luggage so what is the plan up. you say like i am only i'm going to hide stuff in in the luggage of redheaded people it's always yeah, going to be redhead exactly. so if you see a redhead right show up at cayenne rob them yeah, exactly like, ah, oh, the whole time I'm like, this plan doesn't doesn't make sense. More than most. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting near the end. Let's check in with Bingo one more time. Oh yeah, time. yeah, yeah. So animal I, for sure. Oh yeah, the vampire was, bat. Oh, and water buffaloes and oh yeah, yeah. There's lots and lots of lots of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No red herring. The boys definitely left Bayport. Oh yeah, they did. Uh, plane ride where nothing happens. Yeah, but nothing bad happens. No. Yeah. Yep. No secret code. No Don't new vehicle. Don't see any disguises yet. Okay, so um, they're back in Bayport. Mm-hmm. They follow Gomez. Where do they see Gomez? I also so this is their... one thing. Just to jump back, they say that the papers are full of Posada's vi- villainous threats, and my brain actually read that as the papers are full of Posada's villainous tweets. Oh, uh, yeah, because that's yeah, that's where where we are. Also, in a communist dictatorship, the the papers would not be full of his villainous. No, they're threats. they're. I think they the would... other papers, that, like the the uh, international papers, are full because like his... Posada's papers talk about how great Posada is and, and the how great the like the local like projects and, and how lit- are going. Literacy is at ninety nine. Right, exactly, and about how like the U.S. president is a dotard. A dotard. <laughs> yeah. Word of the year. So yeah, but anyway, once they get back, they end up chasing Gomez. Yeah, all right. Now, let, here, I'm going to kind of page mm-hmm. through this because a whole bunch of stuff happens really, really quick. Right when they get home. As soon as they get back. First, um, yeah, I'm right there. Papers are full of uh, Posada's villainous threats. Uh, Mrs. Hardy is not coming back for a while. Still no clue as to where their dad is. He's been missing this entire book. Yes. And wasn't Hasn't he missing the yet. entire last book, too? Um, yeah, they were camping in Maine. He's been going missing a lot. They were camping in Maine in the last one. They go back to Mr. Dykeman. They give him an update. Uh, on everything that's happened. They go out to Micro Eye to meet Mr. Dykeman. That's right. Uh, at the Micro Eye gate, they're quickly admitted, escorted. Okay. For some reason I have here, uh, Mr. Dykeman says, Glad to be see you back. Mr. Wayne's report of your theory about spy, spy smuggling secrets in luggage may break our case wide open. And I said, you mean Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne? <laughs> He's oh, a master spy. Oh, they find out that the camera, that's what it is. They're like, well, it's not, not a big deal anymore because the camera they were going to steal is all finished. It's done today. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, and, and it's going to be just fine. And then they realize that, like, oh, wait, the crooks have been hiding as laundry people, and they see the laundry truck leave, and they're like, oh, my God, they have the camera. That's what it is, is that everybody thinks the camera is fine. And then don't they find out right. that the camera – Well, first, I got it because I just have some notes here. You can okay, cut this sure, if you sure. want to. Um, and this is when he, he says – he gives them the reveal that the camera's finished. Price may be our man, he admitted, though I'm not convinced of it. At any rate, we've reached the home stretch. Micro Eye satellite camera was completed this morning. In the margin, I wrote oh, rocket launch because it's a satellite camera. Yeah. And then he's the project was finished. Frank and Joe were elated. The top secret instrument was to be moved under heavy protection to Washington late the fo- following day. Not not Cape Canaveral. No, not uh, not Kennedy Space Center. Nope, Washington. Yeah. Well, I guess it wouldn't have been Kennedy Space Center. 
because this is the 50s. Yeah, well, but still, I mean, okay, when Jules Verne wrote From Earth to the Moon, yeah. he did the math and figured out where you would want to put a space station in the or a space launch platform in the United States. Yeah. And he picked Florida. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because he was like, I think either Florida or Texas. Those are the yeah. two places in the United States where you could possibly launch something that could have the, like, the highest chance of getting outside of the gravitational pull. Yeah, 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 that makes so, sense. So if he was able to do that math in the late 1800s and yeah, figure exactly. out Florida or and Texas. Doppler radar was invented in 1842. Which we now know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they – right. So this is what happens, though, is that they just decide – they find out that the the camera's done, and then they just randomly go back out to that development that the guys hacked. Yeah, that's right. Chet just convinces them. He's like, we got all the stuff repaired. Come back out to Oak Meadows. Dad says says Mr. Prito's men finished and left after supper tonight, Chet said as they rattled along in his jalopy. Occupancy in a week. It was dusk when the boys reached Oak Hollow. They parked and got out to survey the houses at close range. The hacked doors and windows and broken windows – had been completely replaced. Great. And then they see Gomez lurking around. Just sort of lurking around. Gomez Adams? <laughs> I guess. Just Gomez. Gomez was the guy who jumped off the boat that they saved at the beginning. We, we gotta find we gotta find some some Latin names. Turn on the television. John Aston? <laughs> um isn't wasn't John Aston Gomez? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, they chase him, and there's a cemetery all of a sudden mm-hmm. that's right next to Oak Hollow. Yeah. So they run into uh, – so he runs into a tomb, and Chet says, the, the, that tomb up the, the, there, the d- d- door is opening. This is where I wrote, Chet has been through real-life hell and back, but he is afraid of ghosts and dead people. Like, just dead people. Like, you've been in a pla- – like, a, literally a vampire bat tried to suck your blood. And you're like, two days ago. Yeah, and he's like, I'm, I'm not going to go in that tomb. Okay. Everybody's yeah, got to have that's boundaries, fine. That's I fine. guess. Yeah, that's great. So they go in this tomb. They hide out. They listen to the crooks, like, basically walk through. They find they find a lair with a bunch of Spanish newspapers, and it's clearly Oh, yeah, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. That's right. But then they listen to a suave, accented voice. Good evening, gentlemen. Everyone accounted for? Bueno. Let's begin. Um, it's been it's Bedoya's voice. Anyway, and Bedoya is actually Gomez. No, it's Mister Ricardo. Mister Ricardo. Everybody's so got it's two not names. Ricky Ricardo. It's Mister Bedoya, who's probably from like Love Boat or something, and I don't, just don't so, remember it. <laughs> so they walk through all of this, um, like the, their entire plot. Right. They just basically do the standard. Hardy and they're Bush in the thing. North family tomb. They find yeah. out too. Oh yeah, because they the see Thomas North, North family tomb. Or John North James North. North. Yeah. yeah. Then Frank can't stop staring at this one guy that they're spying on who looks so familiar and his voice is so super familiar. Oh, and yeah. I um I was wrong because I thought it's Fenton. They like recognize his voice. Oh yeah. And so sure. I was like, it's gonna turn out to be Fenton to be dead. undercover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not. It's he just suddenly he's like, Oh, I imagine if he was wearing a mustache, <gasps> it's that guard that told us to scram from micro eye. Uh, so they had a man on the inside. So, like, was Frank just, like, staring at this guy being like, that's not it. Now I'm going to imagine him with a giant prosthetic nose. What if he had glasses? What if he had Mm -mm. a cowboy hat? Unibrow. Mustache. Suspenders. Different mustache. Different mustache. That's the mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, my gosh, I figured it out. Yeah, so uh, they wait, they wait, they wait. Finally, the guys leave, and they run out of the cemetery being like, now's the time to go. But then they get... Locked in the tomb. Yeah. 
classic. Yeah, because they're cool. about to leave, and then and they I'm hear like, footprints coming back, and they have to head back towards the tomb to try and not be discovered. But as soon as they go inside the tomb, yeah, I'm, I'm like, like, well, this isn't a real tomb. No. Like, it's going to have a secret exit. Yeah. Because I just got back, and this is a um, – Tangent, but tangent. Uh, but but uh, I just I just got back from just a little four day weekend trip in uh, New Orleans, and we we uh, visited a cemetery in New Orleans because sure. you know it's got to it, do it. Yeah, and uh, you know the cemeteries in New Orleans, all of the bodies are above ground because you can't put bodies in the ground there because if there's a sea level, they yeah. all come back out. Um, so I have just right before this book spent a lot of time looking at tombs, and tombs are like eight feet by eight feet. Yeah, they're tiny. Right, they're like, yeah, they're not even like a little hut or shed. No, right, you have, to, you have to be very wealthy and have a big, like, old estuary tomb. Yeah, and like, it's a good thing there for dead people because there's not a lot of room to move around. Right, you know what I mean? Especially when you're cramming sixty some people. At the yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, so as soon as like they all walk into the tomb and are like standing in it, I'm immediately like, well, not a real tomb then. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like the Oren family. Crypt. Yeah, exactly. Crypt. Yeah, if it's a if it's a crypt, I buy that. Yeah, yeah. They just call but it like a, a, a tomb. Tomb. They get out of the tomb, but immediately get knocked out and tied up. Yep. And they wake up. Wait, they do. The boys get tied up. They do. Yeah. Because oh, that's right. They wake up. Joe slowly. Joe revived. His arms were bound tightly behind his back. He felt the steady throb of a motor and a rocking motion. As a splash of water hit his face, he sat up but fell down as a strong gust of salty wind hit him. Joe now realized he was in the stern of a boat moving at top speed through the darkness. Also, super cool. They wake up on the deck of the of oh, Mr. Yeah. North's yacht. The surf's like crashing around them. They're being like... driven out to the shipwreck that oh, they were yeah, at earlier. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then they're hauled into the shipwreck. And it's a boat that's half under the water, half out of the water. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Such a great set piece. As they're drug into it, they this realize is like a George Lucas moment. That eight men and three women who all are Latin American are wrists and ankles bound and exhausted. <sighs> and they like look up all week and they're being kept captive in a shipwreck oh that's right but the tide's coming in because it's sort of near like the shore yeah and the boys get thrown into a room that's like has a hull break so the room is filling with water yeah 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 they're in a death trap and yeah. i love death traps oh my god um, it's so great like they spend some time before that they they get thrown into the cell with all the huelen like and they're like the refugees oh, those were the screams we heard it was yeah it wasn't ghosts people. it was screaming people who have been human trafficked and then locked in here yeah for it's horrifying yeah it's really scary yeah and then yeah, he's like, you almost wrecked my refugee business. Business, Joe retorted. You mean kidnapping and treason? Yeah. <laughs> well, business. Yeah. What's your motive in this spy game, North? Frank asked Cooley. Let's just say money. And I wrote, good motive. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard. So, yeah, pretty prime. It's 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 the most popular motive. Yeah, for yeah. all kinds and of then, And then love is second. Yeah, and it turns out that North is just a monster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's so, not even just a bad guy who's like... Trying no. to keep him. He's a out. traditional Hardy Boys, like Lex Luthor level psychopath. Psychopath. He's yeah. a criminal human trafficker. Yeah. I still don't understand the shell clues, but they tell him all about how like North went on boasting that leaving messages in the seashells had been his idea. Because if Cause how if not by monologue, freaking idiot. If you how if not by monologue, are you going to explain the end of this story? Yeah, Bedoya says something like. Bedoya cracked the writing cl- crop again, close to Frank's face. You are very inquisitive. 
but I can afford to tell you. Yeah. Stop telling them stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Also, Bedoya's got this writing crop, and at one point later, this is at the bottom of 162, Chet nervously watched as Bedoya leaned against the desk and fingered the writing crop. Yeah, people fingered the muzzles of their guns. There's a lot of fingering going on. What I think is so great... One of my favorite things about this whole mystery is the big reveal about how these guys snuck into Micro Eye. Mm. Mm. They they had these. It is the most insanely stupid. Yeah, because so so for our listeners, we're we're coming up on the end here. Yes. This um, is the big reveal. Yeah, this is actually technically before the boys get locked in the vault. This is the monologue yes. where all of the villains are revealing their plan, and then they're like, after this, we're gonna shut you in this thing and drown you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's go through this ridiculous plan of how this this underground group stole the, the plans. The criminals yeah. uh, dress as laundrymen, mm-hmm. and they get a la- they not only dress as laundrymen, they start a laundry they company. St- yeah, they yeah, and this then they, is a long game. And then they get a contract with Microi to do all their in-house laundry. How many times did they have to do that bid? Do you think? Like, <laughs> how many times were like, no. oh. Bayport Laundromat got it again. Do you think that they maybe came in and just radically undercut it? And then they're like, we can't afford to do this. Like, we can't pay for all this detergent out of pocket. And they're like, no, no, it's a laundry. Stop, 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 stop. It's not an actual laundromat business. No, but we're, we are going to have We're going to lose money on this. No, 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 we're not. We are being financed by a large government with intentions hostile to the United States. I'm just saying that they'll say they'll reimburse us, but I'm the one who has to upfront the money for look, the detergent. Look, I guarantee this you, Russia, the large of- country we are talking about is good for a couple <laughs> of bottles of detergent. It's, Dude, it's a drum. I'm, it's for an entire factory. Okay, well, uh, so first like, of all, we're going to need more than one drum. Yeah, but it's like $800 a drum. I'm telling in you, the 50s. $800 is small potatoes compared to the satellite camera. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't have the money on hand. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're going to we're gonna arrange something. I'll tell you what. We're going to do homemade detergent for a while. They don't – we're not actually washing their clothes. They don't have to be clean. <laughs> yes, they do. Because if we take them back – Because we're going to lose the contract if they don't. <laughs> just goes on i oh, think man. what they end up doing is that they end up taking all the clothes to bayport laundry and bayport laundry does them anyway and they're like and then yeah and, and then, then they're like, like why does this laundry just, chuck incorporated laundries just put it on our bill, on our tab on our tab like they're, this tab is huge <laughs> <laughs> it's like our you know yeah. honestly this tab is like the size of our old micro uh micro eye contract but, yeah exactly <laughs> What was the company that got the contract again? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So then they sneak in as laundrymen, and then they have brilliant, brilliant thing where they turn their uni- their jumpsuits inside out, and then they're exactly security guard jumpsuits. So yeah, what was it? Because I, I have – I put a – I started reversible. to put a bunch of – Reversible. Yeah, I started to put a bunch of notes in here. Let's see. Um, they call it Our Little Miracle, and then they turn the white jacket and trousers inside out. The boys gasped. They were identical to a micro-eyes guard uniform. Yeah, I love I love too when they're explaining like, no, we got a contract through the laundry. Corporated laundries, Frank exclaimed. So that's how Raker took photos inside the plant. But the maintenance building is isolated. Where did Raker suddenly get a guard's uniform? And I wrote, uh, from the fucking laundry, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) They didn't need to reverse their clothes. They didn't need to They literally have a truck full of all the clothes that they need. (laughs) 
They got a contract and then went up and picked up a bunch of disguises. <laughs> I know, right? They're like, all right, what do we what do we really need to make this work? We need access to all of the uniforms. And then, and then I love this. The rest oh is easy, but do I continue? Raker dons a mustache and forged badge, and then he is let out of the maintenance episode. I'm like, why did Raker demand on wearing a fake mustache? Because They're like, th- don't, don't do the mustache. Because everybody's just going to be like, why is that guy wearing a fake mustache? It looks fake. What if it falls off? I know, right? Except, like, and, and as a professional actor, I've worn a lot of fake mustaches in my life. They fall off. They fall off like 15 minutes after you put them on. And that's with like professional level spirit gum. Yeah. They just start to peel at the corners. Like they just That's why gonna... I've always thought when Robin or like any of the of the superheroes who wear domino masks that like oh, they yeah. constantly be like flapping down over their eyes. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Especially because like uh, yeah, I, I did your another show sweat. where I yeah, you're, you don't realize it until you wear a domino mask, but your eyelids sweat a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they get thrown into this locked room, and it's filling with water. Chet's thrown in there too. And it... wait, wait, wait. Can I? I'm still, I'm still on this laundry scam. Oh, come on. What, what else is? Because there's another person. That's the thing. It's not just the two of them. Simple. He began. Raker rides with Gale, also one of our men, in the truck to Micro Eye. Raker sits in the back with the clean laundry, and then they're admitted to the gate guards. And then comes the little miracle you talked about, the reversible thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, dons the mustache, the forged badge. He's let out at the maintenance building by Gale. Next, he walks to the main plant. Dykeman's guard shifting plan help, so Raker goes about unsuspected with a miniature camera. Then he returns to the maintenance building, and Gale sneaks him back into the truck where he once more reverses the uniform. But Frank interrupted. The gate has logged in two laundry employees in the truck. If Gale handles laundry alone, won't the guards that are watching be suspicious? Oh, well, Gale doesn't work alone, Bedoya said smugly. Since our laundrymen collect and deliver regularly at the maintenance building, the gate guards do not inspect the bundles. <gasps> Inside of which is another spy, Joe Fitt. So they take somebody bundled in uh... with them. I wrote, wait, why? Why another spy? If there's three of them, why does Raker have to change clothes at all? Don't they have guard uniforms? Can't, like, one of them be the guard and the other two are the... Like, why all the switcheroos and change? Because it's more fun. Yeah. It's, it's, so that you, by the end of it, can't track the plot anymore, yeah. I guess is why. That, that seems like, like the whole point of these yeah. mysteries. Is like, let's see if we can lose the audience. Yeah, exactly. And then when we catch them again at the end, they'll feel like they've solved a mystery. All right, all um, right, all right. So, yeah, so they're thrown in this... Uh, they're locked in this little room that's filling with water because the tide's coming in. Um, and uh, de- and a, a rat swims by Chet's face, which is covered with – he's choking on a mouthful of salt water. His face is still covered in mosquito bites. Oh, that's right. I'm just like, oh, God, poor Chet. Um, they find a hole, and I'm like, you're not going to – and he's like, grab a pipe. I'll bash open this hole. And I'm like, you're not going to be able to – What are you talking about? With what momentum? And <laughs> yeah, like, what? you're underwater, and you're, you're just gonna... like swinging a pong. <laughs> pong. It's not going. Ping. So they all swim down to help. Yep. And then they realize that somebody outside. Oh, when the furry rodent um, swam past Chet, I just wrote in the margin, because fuck Chet. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. They're trapped underwater and like a... I don't know, like, like a, something horrible happens to Chet, like a rat like runs like runs on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's like somebody ripping open the planks from the outside of the ship, which is called the oh, Atlantis. Yeah. And I was like, yay, it's Fenton. And then I was like... Dad, Frank, Joe, and I was like, "No shit, of course, yeah. it's Fenton." Yeah, I did not expect that. 
Really? Who I was you, not who expecting. did you think it was? I thought it was the refugees. Like, I thought they had, like, broken out and were, like, popping them back. Oh, that would be side. way better. Yeah, than totally. Than Deus Ex Fentina. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, and I just wrote, fucking close call, Fenton. Yeah. Like, where have you been? Yeah, exactly. Why did you wait until the death moment? Right. Dad, we- Frank, Joe, Fenton Hardy grasped his son's hand and climbed up. He wore old, torn clothes. Dad, how? Where? The well-built canine detective was equally amazed at seeing his sons. Catching his breath, he explained, I spotted Orin North's yacht out here an hour ago from a motorboat I'd rented and swam to the Atlantis. Are you all right? Wait, 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 so you were just like, well, I got home from Bayport on, like, whatever thing I am. It can't, not much to do. I thought you were deep undercover. Like, I'll go rent a motorboat for the afternoon, just like to rent a motorboat. I, I know my boys have the sleuth, and they would not mind if I took it, but I'm going to rent a motorboat instead. Go out onto the bay. Hey, look, it's the Atlantis. Oh, look, maybe I'll cruise over there. I'm going to swim over there. I mean, maybe I'll dive off my ship and swim underneath the Atlantis, see if anybody's banging around trying to get... It's Why? Like, what? Why? Yeah, what? That, this is part of my Fenton Hardy's running a criminal yeah, underground. Totally, is totally. that like he was working with North, and it's him on the deck of the ship being like, and I don't North's care. like, don't worry, those boys are never going to get out of the predicament. Those are my boys. It. And yeah. he's like, yeah, and it's him being like, you've gone too far, North. Exactly. He probably punched North in the jaw, broke his jaw. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Dived off. He's like, I don't give a fuck about these refugees, but my boys are going to drown. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, he totally. saved them. But yeah. then they don't ask any questions at all. Nope. I don't know. It seems like that should be the end for some reason. But there's one last boat chase to do. And I'm going to mm-hmm. go through this pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they go back to Micro Eye. The place is covered in smoke. And they heard that these people had smoke bombs. So they, when they get back, they're like, smoke bombs. Yeah. And a laundry man is escaping with a laundry bag. And they're like, the satellite camera must be in it's that It's in there. Bag. Yeah, exactly. Which, like, I'm sorry, but have you guys seen, have you seen, like, 50s satellite cameras? They're the size that of, That thing was like, like a semi-trailer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's in the, it's it's in that bundle. <laughs> anyway, it's absolutely amazing. They they chase this guy. They get on. They tackle some people. There's machetes. They get on a right. boat. There's a massive boat chase onto the ocean. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. They're about to crash it, and eventually they get surrounded by the coast guard and uh, and the Hardy Boys save the day. But there oh yeah yeah wait 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 because this is because one last yeah it's like more than like the last like two pages yeah it's yeah. the last boat chase. Frank was forced to turn aside. The northerly resumed course for the trawler. Suddenly, they came a thunderous boom. The Hardys looked south at a rising patch of smoke. Two sleek gray cutters with forward guns were advancing full steam. The Coast Guard! I wrote, <laughs> with guns? Hey, in a previous book, I love, they thought it was the Coast Guard, but then someone threw a grenade into another <laughs> boat. And they were like, ooh, the Coast Guard wouldn't do that. <laughs> Coast Guard probably wouldn't throw a, grenade, a live grenade into a, another boat. Yeah. Um, but, but they do have forward guns. Yeah, and then the ship that, that they were trying to escape to escapes, and everyone gets caught. They toss the camera overboard in, oh, right. in the boat chase. But the, then Joe just like just like fishes it out. As soon as it goes in the water, it's like, splash. I wrote in the margins, ruined. <laughs> That's a 1950s satellite camera. The minute it hit the minute it hit the ocean spray on the boat, it was like, oh, actually, that thing's destroyed forever. Also, the moment it hit the water, it sank like a freaking stone. <laughs> yeah, no way, it's Joe. It's surrounded in like sopping wet laundry. Like, get it, Joe? <laughs> no, Joe. Joe's He's like, got no, no, no. That's no, that's gone. Joe is Aquaman. 
But then uh, Dykeman uh, reports that the smoke bombs caused little damage to Micro Eye. No one has been injured. Mm-hmm. But the confusion did allow that phony guard Raker to take the camera. But anyway, yeah, they get the camera back. Captain Byrne and the Dorado crew have been uh, apprehended in South America okay. and then promptly bribe their way out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because it's South America. It's the Huelas. Yeah. Let's hope the spy's failure puts a big dent in Posada's power, Frank yeah. said. Not By really. the way, that fishing trawler, does it just get away? I'm afraid so, Mr. Hardy replied. But empty-handed at least. Authorities believe the vessel belongs to a large anti-American country. Like, like, like Russia? And as you and Joe suspected... That Posada did plan to trade the satellite camera for money and arms. I didn't know Mr. Posada had no arms. That makes him a much more compelling. Yeah, character. exactly. Oh man, an now armless I see dictator. An armless dictator who wants. Yeah, that would be amazing. Been... He can keep power. But then they, then they're like, well, there's only one unsolved mystery: the footprints under the window, both at our house and at North. Mr. Hardy burst into hearty laughter. Remember, you weren't the only sleuths around here. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh, that's right. Fenton yeah. Hardy was been sneaking around. He's been this around time Bayport the entire damn doing time. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. No, I wrote that multiple times. Like he he missed everything. At one point, he's like, "Yes, I did stay here so that I could uh, so that I could monitor the North's activities." To and crack wrote, this spy plot, it was important that no one knew I was in town. The stolen papers were part of a dossier on North, which I had helped pick up. Wh- what? You missed, he missed everything, right? It's like, where were you? I also like this, because um, we're on the like last pages yeah. here. Chet was still puzzled by the theft of Iola's shopping bag. This was in that, lo- like, that uh, oh, bag yeah. steal mix-up. We don't care, Chet. He says, uh, I can explain that, Mr. Dykeman said. When your dry cleaning was left at Corporated Laundries, Bedoya's spies m- mistakenly sewed the film into your clothing. They confused Morton for Martin, so Valdez had to get them back. And I'm like, I am surprised that this plan worked even one time. I am surprised. even get the names, the names right. right. I am surprised that this, that, like, even one delivery Given all of the crazy, complicated crap. No, it's like the first time that it happened. They yeah. were like, oh my god, it worked. Holy crap. Well, <laughs> like, I was okay. like, yeah. Well, so, the last, I want to finish yeah, we up with the do last. That last paragraph. Okay. Joe gaped. Well, if that doesn't beat everything. Unknown to him, however, the Hardys would soon be challenged by an even more baffling case. The mark on the door. Anyway, Chet said, sighing and relishing the prospect of a titanic meal. One thing sure about this mystery, there was an awful lot... A foot. The others laughed heartily. From exhaustion? I don't know. I was like, that's barely a joke, I gotta say that I was Uh, so exhausted. Because footprints. No, I know, I know. But I was so exhausted by the pace of the story and the convoluted nature of the narrative that I didn't get that joke. Yeah, I, I like, didn't either, actually. I, like, I literally wrote not a joke. And I was then, like, what the hell are you talking? Oh, and then foot, I was like, oh, footprints. The Huelas. Yeah. The so footprints. we both got duped by that. That's that's not on Chet. That's on us. That's man. on us for not yeah. getting the joke. Yeah, totally. The getting the footprints off a lot of foot. All right. Well, that that was a rip-roaring Hardy oh Boys God. adventure. Um, oh, my God. I think what's so exciting is that we talked about how in previous books they clearly have ideas they think are cool but yeah. then they don't flesh them out as really much as they get want there. Yeah. so in the next book but the next book it seems like uh, and Missy Moore is going to be our guest on our next oh, episode that's so exciting. please come in yeah. and please make sure to listen to that one yeah. but it takes place it seems almost entirely south of the border are you, just, are you picking they, that up just from the cover well and the, and the description of the story but then again it's like they might spend the last 30 pages mm-hmm. so uh all right. Well, I wouldn't get your hopes up. I will not. So that was book 12 of the Hardy Boys Mystery Series. That was the Footprints Under the Window. It was fun, man. It was it fun. Really was. Yeah. Much, yeah. Um, I loved all the stuff in South America. Mm-hmm. Really like, cool. I feel like, 
I mean, it's a little sad that it took 12 books, but I do feel like um, Dixon's hitting his stride yes. with this series. I felt that way in book five with when they went to Montana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, a good one, yeah. There was another, the What Happened at Midnight. Yeah, that was, was a good, a good one, one. With multiple midnights and everything. Yeah. That was that was. There, the, it's like he's yeah. learning how to write books. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it doesn't have that. Um, I know in uh, I know when you had Josh Hartwell on that whole thing that that happens where you're like, uh, oh well, we're gonna do X, Y, and we're Z gonna go to California. No, we're no, not. No, gonna I, no, I don't want him to go to California, so I'm gonna have him not go to California. Right. Yeah, it was different. This was. Uh, yeah, this no, was it, more of a team. It has a through Honestly, narrative. What it seemed to me was that this was a storyline that was not written for the Hardy Boys. Yeah. I felt like somebody wrote a just like an adventure story, a mystery story, like a. Graham Greene style, or maybe more of like... Um, L. Ron Hubbard? <laughs> I was going to say more like a 1970s Ira Levin sort oh, of yeah, story. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But anyway, it seemed like there was a story written where it was about uh, human trafficking and a refugee plot and a yeah. and a big uh, shipping magnet yeah, and yeah, then yeah. a uh, Q- and then revolutionaries in a in South right. America. It's like Louis Lemur decided to get away from westerns for a right. minute. Right. And yeah, then yeah. all of a sudden they were told like, "Oh, what well, we're going to do this is a 170-page Hardy Boys book." Oh. And they tried to cram as much of the story right. from that. But yeah. it just felt like it was a higher level mystery. Uh-huh. Do you feel like with all the Jack Wayne stuff, they're still they they they're still trying to interject their airplane stuff? I think like so. One of the, yeah. yeah, where like Dixon was like, okay, like I know but, it's been like three airplane books, but, but there was this could they one, just get up? Could they get up in an airplane? Like, there's this one cool airplane thing that I didn't get to squeeze in the last one. Where they which see is, a shipwreck from an airplane? Yeah. So like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do one more little airplane thing. I don't know. We'll see. I bet they ride. An I tell you what, as long as Jack Wayne is around to fly the the I'd damn love thing, it. it feels like a backdoor pilot. Yeah. Where you're like, where you're yeah. watching an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and all of a sudden there's a whole episode about how Sabrina's cousin has to go to a school for wayward witches. Yeah. And like the gym teacher's a dog, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy from the nanny is the principal, and you're like, yeah. this is a pilot. This is, this is too, this is way too specific. I this assume is, they're you, trying you to saw set this up. episode recently, did you? Oh, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But they're like, they're trying to set up a. Right. A new show. Yeah, totally. Like, this is like a soft pilot. Yeah, or, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Like, The Law and Harry McGraw, which came out of Murder, She Wrote. Check out Murder, She Joked on YouTube. I was about to, because I know that I'm, I, I assume right, we got to do plugs. Here. We got to do some you're, plugs. you're asking me if uh, I got anything to plug. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, of course I have stuff to plug. I always have stuff to plug. Yeah, of course. What, you, what you got going on? Uh, Siren Song is uh, still continuing. We're I in, do know about Siren Song. We're in season two of Siren Song. Brand new show uh, every yeah. single month. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great and it's and and it's all ages. It's great for families. Please bring your kids. That's really you know who we do this for. Also, keep your eyes peeled, and I will keep you posted. We have a great show coming up with the um, symphony. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to be a great. I was going to plug that as well. I feel like this show is really um, growing and improving. The more that we've we've done it, we've decided that we're going to um, bring it to a close in May. Yeah, that's so our please series come, finale. Yeah, so please come and see it because we, we're really proud of it. Okay. Well, uh, that was so much fun. The Hardy Boys Drink Book is a part of their network. It is produced by Jack and Charles Wefso. Our music is provided by Danny Overby and our graphic design and photography is done by Kristen Hallstrom. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter or you can reach us at thehardyboysdrinkbook at gmail.com. Tune in next time for the Hardy Boys Drink Book number 13, The Mark on the Door, featuring Missy Moore.